أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله تبارك وتعالى وسلم على سيدنا محمد سيدنا وسندنا وحبيبنا وشفيعنا ومولانا صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه وأزواجه وذرياته وأهل بيته ومن تبعهم بإحسان لا يوم الدين وبعد Alhamdulillah, mashallah, we reached this Mubarak 16th night of Ramadan. Uh, the first half of Ramadan is over. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept it from us and forgive us our shortcomings in it and make what's left of this month uh, Mubarak for us and give us uh, from it that which we need in terms of prayers and good deeds and fasting and tarbiyah uh, and from his fadl in all ways that only he knows, big and small. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala change us for the better and make what's left of our Ramadan and what's left of our life better than what passed. So yesterday we were talking about the, uh, the scene in the Muslim world on the eve of the Mongol desolation of the, the Islamic heartlands. So we talked about some of the degeneracy that was rife in society as well as uh, amongst the leaders and rulers of the Muslims. And uh, in particular, the uh, Abbasi Khilafah, which was uh, basically about to be destroyed. And we were reflecting on how you know, those tendencies are there in our society today as well. And about how oftentimes we sometimes lament and you know feel sorry for ourselves as if we are at the bit, you know the pit in the bottom of uh, our possible condition in front of uh, the world, and about how you know we're you know somehow because we're not in the heyday and golden age of Islam that we're somehow uh, worthy of pity or or worthy of every single dispensation in the book, and how people like that mimic and resemble those people who it was on their watch and at their hands uh, the desolation of the Muslim world happened and about how there are people we read about also who were people who also lived in those times in those days of desolation those long years and months uh, of desolation and of utter heart-wrenching and gut-wrenching uh, types of pain and suffering and how they dug down hard and they found barakah and they found fadl from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they found Allah ta'ala's aid and help. And Allah manifested great things at their hands and it definitely wasn't because they tried the first time and it all worked out. Rather, uh, it was because they tried and tried again and they uh, made their ikhlas uh, with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, their sincerity with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah ta'ala gave them uh, tawfiq despite overwhelming and soul-crushing uh, circumstances and overwhelming odds uh, and so we should also take a lesson that there are different types of people we should choose which one we want to be like and uh, we should choose the right ones and we should not think that just because we uh, are Muslims that everything is going to be okay or just because we live in modernity somehow everything is waved off things can get a lot better and things can get a lot a lot worse and they will get a lot better if we follow the path of the people who make them better uh, in the past and they will get a lot worse if we keep following the path of the people who make things worse. I mean, Allah Ta'ala make us people who are not obsessed with frivolity and with, you know, stupid human tricks and with, you know, merrymaking and singing and dancing and 
not not obsessed with showing off uh, shiny things. Mashallah, monkeys like shiny things. They're like, ooh, shiny thing. Ooh, ooh, ah. Right? Don't 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 be the monkey. Don't be the ape. Uh, you know, there are some things that shine physically, and they're fascinating to to, to the apes. And there are some things that shine spiritually, and they're fascinating to the angels. Um, get in touch with your angelic self. Uh, it's not impossible. People have done it before us. People who are not as educated as, uh, as us and people who are not as learned as us, uh, they've done it in the past. You can do so as well. This Ramadan and fast is a good way of doing so. And, uh, uh, you know, see those things. Be fascinated and be captivated and uh, be uh, enthralled by those things that are munawar inside the heart uh, and stop chasing those uh, trinkets that other apes chase uh, lest you uh, and I end up destroying ourselves and our families uh, and going down the path that other apes have gone. Wal'iyadu billah, Allah ta'ala protect us all. Otherwise, mashallah, you know, your team winning uh, uh, some sort of uh, football match or baseball match or basketball match or whatever, uh, it may be fun and entertaining, I admit that. And it may not even really be haram, but if it's a real source of happiness for you, you need to like reevaluate your priorities. All of us have dumb habits, including me. Uh, I, I watched way too much Star Trek in my, uh, for, you know, teenage years and whatever. We all have dumb habits, but most of us, you know, learn to not define ourselves by those things. And it's time that we get serious and we define ourselves through serious things. And uh, whatever stupid things we do on our uh, in our pastimes, if it's a habit, that's fine. You know, you do it on, on the side. It's not. I mean, it's not. Especially if it's not haram, you know, you do it on the side. But it's not. It shouldn't take up a a significant portion of your. Uh, mind and your identity and your expenditure and whatnot, uh, lest we turn into uh, we turn into those same uh, clowns that uh, literally uh, courted, uh, fell in love with, courted and uh, gave themselves over to destruction, uh, because that's a horrible that's a horrible uh, uh, horrible partner to end up with. So Mulana continues, he writes that in 642 uh, of the Hijri age, a man by the name of uh, Al-Mu'ayyiduddin, or Mu'ayyiduddin Afwan, uh, uh, Muhammad bin Al-Qami, was appointed prime minister by the Khalifa Musta'asim. Disorder and disturbances were a source of constant trouble in Baghdad, especially when the Sunnis and Shias quarreled in 655. It is reported that in these riots, the Shia quarters, including those of the relatives of Ibn Al-Qami, were plundered, which led him to seek revenge from the Sunnis. Although the danger of the Mongol invasion uh, was hovering over Baghdad, a great reduction was made in the armed forces. On the advice of Ibn Al-Qami, the number of cavalry was reduced to a mere 10,000, their allowances and promotions withheld. The disbanded soldiers were directed to take up trade and husbandry, meaning to... uh, um, to uh, herd uh, sheep and animals and uh, uh, um, with the results that many of them were later seen begging uh, alms in the bazaars and in front of the mosques Islam was reduced to the state of imbecility which left many poets to compose elegies to lament the helplessness of the Muslims and uh, you know this whole the whole sectarian uh, the whole sectarian issue uh, part of it was sectarian and part of it was political and economic. Uh, like we had mentioned, uh, I believe yesterday, the uh, ruling class, uh, many of them were basically uh, Persianized elites and uh, many of them were uh, people of heterodoxy. And the reason for that is that 
from the educated people of the Ahlul Sunnah, most of them went on went on to be fuqaha and went on to be <coughs> went on to be uh, judges and went on to be muhaddithun and teachers, etc. And so, if you wanted somebody who was like a brain for hire, somebody who would basically do whatever you tell them to, as long as you pay him money, uh, then you had to hire a uh, a, a person of heterodoxy. A person of bid'ah, or you had to hire a, a non-Muslim, you had to hire a Jew or a Christian who was just there to do what they're told and, uh, uh, you know, make money and kind of look after, look after themselves. It doesn't have a stake invested in the greater welfare of society. Uh, by and large, the majority of the populace was always Sunni, uh, as it continues to be to this day. And uh, it was the the Mu'tazila and the... Uh, the uh, uh, who are kind of kind of like the uh, the younger brother of the Khawarij and then it was the Rawafid and the Ghulat and uh, uh, other uh, minorities who really don't have a stake in the project of Islam or society at large. Uh, people amongst them that were clever and well-educated, well-read, oftentimes received government jobs by uh, less scrupulous rulers precisely because they would do what they were told without scruple and without worry about what is going to happen in the Akhirah or what is going to happen to society at large. Um, they really didn't care. And so what happened is that you have this kind of like uh, uh, enfranchised class of society uh, that, uh, you know, is economically privileged and uh, uh, that are, you know, people in positions of rulership. And they obviously are not going to look down at the masses with any sort of, uh, with any sort of sympathy. Uh, rather, the masses are just another problem in their way that they have to tend to and they have to kind of deal with. And this will make uh, a, a lot of kind of class warfare type issues, um, some of which are cloaked in sectarian, uh, sectarian rivalries, and uh, some of which actually were based in sectarian rivalries, but many of which weren't. Uh, they were just uh, they were just like political machinations and uh, wrangling Machiavellian or Marxian even uh, uh, when it came to class and uh, economic class and social class etc. Al Mustasim was personally a man of unimpeachable character. He also wanted to reform uh, administration and bring peace and prosperity in his realm, but unfortunately, he lacked the courage, zeal, and ability of the founders of empires, which alone could have saved the situation by infusing a breath of new life in the then rotting society and administration. It has happened more than once that the last monarch of any ruling dynasty was just and wise, virtuous, and humane, uh, but the degeneration of social and political order had reached the point in his time where uh, its only natural outcome was the final decay and crumbling down of the dynasty. This was the case with Mustasam too, who providence, yani the Qudra of Allah Ta'ala, uh, had chosen uh, uh, for the badge of infamy, although he was better than most of his predecessors and also had a desire to set right the falsely deteriorating situation. One can probably say the same thing about uh, the Khalifa uh, uh, and uh, Sultan, uh, Abdul Hamid Kinji the second Sultan Muhammad the uh, second Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have mercy on him uh, very uh, brilliant politician and very pious man uh, not a man uh, whose reign was free from uh, problematic issues but by and large uh, a person uh, at whose hands Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala warded off the destruction of colonialism and warded off the uh, complete implosion of Muslim civilization uh, for quite some time and allowed him even when uh, he was uh, dislodged to have prepared uh, uh, certain institutions in uh, the Muslim lands in order to 
and certain people in the Muslim lands that were able to uh, uh, mitigate that implosion and that destruction uh, so that, uh, uh, you know, ilm and taqwa and salah and uh, deen can uh, live to see another day. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have mercy on them. It is undoubtedly true that a group of people pure in spirit and righteous in conduct were there teaching and preaching in the mosques and seminaries of Baghdad, but the affluent and those in authority had become so corrupt that an analyst of the age, Abul Hassan Khazraji, had to describe the conditions prevailing in his times in these words. The desire to acquire estates and effects has become a craze with these people who never think of the community's welfare. They are so engrossed in feathering their own nests that it can never be deemed a rightful course. The officials of the government are all tyrants who are obsessed with the idea of amassing as much wealth as possible. This is the most dangerous state of affairs for the government can coexist with apostasy but never with tyranny. And this is a very, you know, this is a very interesting uh, and very insightful thing. He says the government can coexist with apostasy, but never with tyranny. Meaning that if your, you know, rulers are not Muslims, um, still society can function. And obviously something is very wrong and uh, something is very problematic, but it's not going to cause as much damage in the long run because you can fix that. You can replace one ruler with another. But when you have injustice, you cause certain fissures and breaks in society to happen that even when you have a good uh, ruler come in afterward, um, the cycle of vengeance and the cycle of, uh, of problems that are caused by these breaks and rifts, uh, you know, they, they'll take a very long time to heal. And this is why it's such a horrible thing for uh, one person to, uh, to make zulm against another. And it's such a horrible thing for, especially amongst the types of mavalim, for one person to kill another. Uh, those feuds don't die quickly. Uh, even if people make the intention for Toba, how can you make right a situation which is the destruction of something so precious with Allah and so unique even with mankind that uh, we all acknowledge it's irreplaceable. And, uh, you know, it's something really important that, uh, you know, we should keep in mind. Obviously, it doesn't mean that apostasy is not a big deal, but it, we should all keep in mind before making vulma against another person. No matter how angry you are, you got to take a deep breath and not not violate another person's trust, not violate another person's rights. Rather, render rights to people and ask your rights to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if in seeking your rights, you're going to end up destroying other people's rights, then know the sunnah is to, in such a situation, to render other people's rights to them and to, uh, and to ask for your rights from Allah. If we all do this as individuals, one of us at some point or another will be in charge of something and will rule something. If we have a society where this is the norm, then our rulers will also have this norm. However, if we have a society where people are used to, uh, uh, where people are used to just uh, uh, harming one another and uh, trying to get away with it, with lying and cheating people, even if you steal a napkin from uh, your local store, your local restaurant that you're supposed to pay for, or you stole a ketchup that you're supposed to pay 10 cents for, uh, and you think, what is this going to do? Obviously, it's not going to cause a Sunni Shia riot in medieval Baghdad. But what happens is that if you have a society of those 10 cent ketchup stealers, one of them is going to become prime minister one day and they are going to cause the riot. They will be the, the, the suburb of the riot and everybody who uh, you know, made the society where that was considered okay or not a big deal, uh, uh, they all participate in it somehow or another. And the rifts that happen once people shed blood against each other, they're not easily healed. Uh, they're not easily healed. 
so that was the end of the quote. Mulan Abu Hassan Ali Nadwi continues, In the eastern part of the Islamic world, the kingdom of Kharazm, uh, raised toward the end of the 5th century uh, of the Muslim era on the ruins of the Seljuk Empire, uh, held sway over almost the entire uh, Islamic territory, excluding the principalities of the Seljuk sultans over parts of Egypt, Syria, Iraq, Hijaz, Asia Minor, and that of the Ghoris in Afghanistan. Sultan Alauddin Muhammad Kharazm Shah, uh, uh, who lived from 596 uh, Hijra to 617, was one of the most powerful Muslim monarchs or perhaps the greatest sovereign of his day. Harold Lamb, the historian, writes in his famous book, Genghis Khan, in the uh, center of Islam, Muhammad Shah of Khorazm had enthroned himself as warlord. His domain extended from India to Baghdad and from uh, the Sea of Aral, uh, Aral Dengiz, uh, to the Persian Gulf, uh, or what they call Khalij al-Arabi in Arabic, uh, except for the Seljuk Turk, Turks, victors over uh, the Crusaders, and the rising Mamluk dynasty in Egypt, his authority was supreme. Uh, he was the emperor and the uh, he was the emperor and the caliph who quarreled with him, but might not deny him was restricted to spiritual authority like a pope, meaning what that he would quarrel with the Khalifa and the but the Khalifa knew to keep himself in check because uh, he wasn't able to actually you know if the gloves came off and it came to blows he would not have been able to uh, uh, to, to 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 dance with uh, the Khorazm Shah. Muslim history. So that's the end of the quote. Muslim historians have not mentioned any noticeable personal laxity in the character or moral behavior of Khorazm Shah. Uh, on the other hand, they speak of him as a brave and chivalrous ruler, just and pious, but there's no denying the fact that he spent his prowess and capability in subjugating the Muslim kingdoms around his dominions. In the northwest of his territory, he for forced the Seljuks to retreat to the farthest end while he restrained the westward ambitions of the Ghoris by subjugating Khorasan uh, and Mazandaran, Kirman, Ghazni, and Trans-Oxiana. Uh, uh, trans These unending wars of the Khorazm Shah had nevertheless worn out his troops who had to strain every nerve in achieving the conquest that they had uh, done so far. Apart from the war phobia normally created by the continuous warfare over a long period of time, the conquest of the most fertile and industrially developed areas had brought the capital of Khorazm Shah all that toil and labor could produce, along with attendant vices of opulence and luxury. It is difficult to find any detailed account of these social ills in the annals of the time, which are mostly concerned with the descriptions of kings and emperors. Unfortunately, however, the treatises and sermons and monographs and discourses of the saints and preachers, which uh, would have thrown a lurid light on the subject, were all destroyed by the Mongolian avalanche. There is hardly uh, any reason for attributing the following statement of Harold Lamb to his religious prejudice or exaggeration. He says, quote, it was the uh, martial world, appreciative of song uh, uh, with an ear not unmusical, a world beset by inward throes, slave-ridden, wealth-gathering, and more than a little addicted to vice and intrigue. It left the management of its affairs to extortioners and its women to the custody of eunuchs uh, and its conscience uh, uh, to the keeping of Allah. And obviously Harold Lamb is probably not saying that in a nice way, but uh, it's just a way of him uh, mocking, insulting uh, stupidity that he uh, attributes to religion. The sultans of Khurazm made the same fatal mistake which was committed by the Moors of Spain. An unpardonable blunder under the divine law of retribution governing the historical process. 
they set about body uh, uh, and soul to extend and strengthen their uh, bounds of their domain uh, and subjugate their enemies, but they never try to diffuse the message of God and enlist adherence uh, to it from the neighboring lands which constituted a world uh, different from their own. Quite apart from the religious fervor which should have diverted their energies toward this imperative task, common sense as well as political foresight too dictated the same course, which would have won over a vast but hostile population to their side and thus saved themselves as well as other Muslims from the tragic fate which uh, was soon to engulf them. Such were the conditions when the Mongols issued forth from the steppes of Mongolia under Cengiz Khan uh, and swooped down upon Iran and Turkestan, uh, the eastern part of the Islamic world, like a scourge of God. Uh, by 656 Hijri, Mongols had reached the center of Islam, Baghdad, converting it into a shamble, fulfilling the Quranic dictum, and guard yourselves against a chastisement which cannot fall exclusively on those uh, of you who are wrongdoers and know that Allah is severe in punishment. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us all. And so one of the things that Mulana brings to light is also uh, another interesting, uh, I guess, point, which is that, you know, people have this thing where their jealousy between them causes them to be way more severe on, on, on those people that they uh, see as like them than uh, those from the outside. And one of the, and this is not a sifa, this is not an attribute of the people of Iman. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, in his own book, he describes um, you know, the people he loves as being on the believers, that they are, they show their might and their dignity uh, to those antagonists of disbelief. And they show humility and softness, meekness to the people of belief. But what happens is we have this, uh, you know, really messed up and really defeatist uh, mentality that a lot of us have, which is that, if a non-Muslim comes to the masjid, we will treat them better than we will our own brothers and sisters, and we will marshal and sally forth for them a type of um, kind of, uh, you know, a twisted super hospitality, uh, which kind of like comes to the verge of almost like worship. Uh, whereas if a Muslim, you know, commits some sort of error inside the masjid, we'll never forgive them, and we'll look at them with disgust as if these people are rats or termites or whatever. And my point is not necessarily to treat the guests of the masjid from other religions badly, but you know when you look at them and say, well, they're a guest and they don't know better, uh, so is a Muslim. And so you should at least be able to sally forth uh, uh, some similarity in terms of treating uh, uh, guests in the house of Allah Ta'ala with dignity. And uh, when it comes to comparing Islam and comparing kufr, uh, how can you, how can you uh, compare somebody who says la ilaha illallah and who Allah Ta'ala has put on a path toward his eternal uh, love with somebody who is uh, just there out of some sort of neighborly or political curiosity. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's good to treat them well as guests of the house of Allah Ta'ala and to explain Islam to them. But if somehow you're able to find for them um, some sort of patience and some sort of uh, tolerance and some sort of uh, almost uh, uh, love and hope, then why can't you do that for your own uh, brothers and sisters? This is very problematic. This is very problematic. And so this same or some similar uh, sentiment to this uh, also 
kind of takes over the hearts and minds of kings and princes and people who are in positions of authority where they start to see other Muslims, masjid, uh, you know, masjid administrators start to see other masjids as their biggest rivals and, you know, mosque, little, you know, two-bit pathetic mosque politics, you know, mosque board members start to see other, uh, you know, uh, important people in their community as their chief rivals and as the chief cause of fitna for them. And they fight over the votes for of the same members. And don't you know there's an entire, mashallah, uh, population that neither knows Allah and His Rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Every mosque uh, board member can go and open their own masjid, you know, based on their preaching of La ilaha illallah uh, to the people, and none of them have to fight over uh, over a flock or over donations ever. But what do they do? They they fight over those things that are there, and they look inward with their enmity and their spite, and they look outward with their love which is really, really messed up and really problematic. And sadly, this is actually what happens in the Muslim world at various times. So Mulana is disgusted with uh, the Khurazm Shah's uh, uh, warring and feuding with, with who? With the Seljuks and with uh, the, uh, the Ghoris and with the, the different uh, Muslim states of that time. And his lack of concern with improving people's deen. And that's something that's a state of affairs that's there in the muslim world right now literally uh there are countries why do i have to take names people are going to say oh look you know you're part of this side or you're part of that so allah is witness i'm not part of any of any of these sides i'm not with anyone if someone does something right and that one thing that's right i'm with them even if a thousand other things they do are wrong and if somebody uh, does something wrong i'm against them even if they do a thousand other things that are right i have no lot cast in with any government whatsoever but the idea is that we see this as a general trend that uh, illa mashallah uh, the muslim governments they have this kind of spite toward each other and they treat each other with uh, you know this horrendous uh, uh, type of hatred and even the the enemies that despise them the most they're more happy to make peace with them and more happy to embrace them and more happy to bend over backwards in order to kiss their uh, uh, kiss their feet and lick the boot uh, 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 than they would be in just forgiving even the slightest uh, slight real or perceived from their, from their brothers. And on the flip side, if you look at Muslim history, where is the barakah that the Ottomans had? One of the, the, the causes of barakah that the Ottoman Empire had was that they were just a small Seljuk vassal. Uh, they don't call like the uh, you know the Ottoman Empire is the the Olad of Usman Ghazi rahimahullah ta'ala wa a'lallahu darajatihi wa tajawaza an sayyatihi. He's literally not called Sultan. He's Usman Ghazi. And his uh, son is Orhan Ghazi. They don't take the title of Sultan until later. And they don't take the title of Khalifa until many generations later. They're what? Ghazi. Why? Because they were one small principality amongst the Seljuks in Anatolia, uh, where, where all of them were constantly warring and fighting with each other. And for whatever reason, Allah Ta'ala put it in his heart, Allah Ta'ala reward him and have mercy on him, that I will not fight under other Muslims anymore. I will expand. If I'm going to push my territories, I'm going to push my territory outward to where people don't know who is Allah and who is his Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And they don't transact with any sort of justice and they don't have any sort of uh, uh, legal code by which people can live in safety and aman and aman. And I'm going to bring that to them. And... Uh, you know, people forget the fact that that, uh, that noble house, um, it was a union of two people, of Usman Ghazi and uh, his wife, who was the daughter of his sheikh, uh, Adabali, uh, 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 Allah Ta'ala have uh, mercy on all of them and raise all of their rank. And 
that's important. That really, literally made all the difference. And until uh, Sultan Yavuz Salim will uh, conquer uh, uh, the uh, Sham and uh, Egypt from the Mamalik, um, they, the majority of the population of the Ottoman Empire was non-Muslims, and they were actually quite prosperous. They were very happy. People would immigrate to Istanbul. People, uh, uh, people would immigrate to the Ottoman lands because of the justice that was. Uh, known therein and the fair shake that people would get therein. Some modern uh, nationalist Turkish histor Turkic historians, this actually they hold this against the Ottomans that why is it that the Armenians are making so much money and this minority is making so much money and this minority is making so much money in the Ottoman Empire? So because this is the way Allah and His Rasul decreed it that you're going to give justice to people no matter what their uh, religion is, that when they enter into an agreement with the state, that the Dhimmi has rights inside the state um, and protections that they have by. Uh, 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 nodding the cap to the suzerainty of the Sharia and the justice of the Sharia, and that's the way it's supposed to be. So, if you have a problem with it, you kind of have a problem with the Sharia of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. We don't have the right to take away people's uh, property uh, uh, just because we don't like them or we don't like where they came from. That would not be justice. And uh, similarly, uh, uh, you know, in in West Africa, uh, it was the same that uh, the, the tribes of our Mashaikh at some point or another, they, uh, they took uh, an oath and a covenant with one another that they'll never involve themselves with a, any sort of blood feud between Muslims. That if there's any strife between the Muslims, they won't pick up arms against another Muslim. Rather, they'll try their best in order to settle those things peacefully, but they're not going to shed the blood of another Muslim. These things, they make a lot of difference. They make a lot of difference. Now, sitting here in Lombard, you know, it's easy for us to say, but uh, unfortunately, unfortunately, you see Muslims are taking up arms against each other in different places in the world. Muslims are ready to beat each other. Muslims are ready to kill each other. Muslims are uh, you know, ready to talk about each other in gen genocidal terms. And it's really uh, uh, problematic. It's really problematic. And uh, this is something that we also have to adopt into our mentality. We have to teach this to our kids that when somebody has la ilaha illallah inside of their hearts, there are certain limits that you cannot cross with them. Not with your tongue, not with your hand, and not in your heart. And no matter how egregious they behave and how badly they are, um, you know, instead of uh, focusing on your hate for them and focusing on your uh, desire for their destruction, just turn around and do something else. Don't spend your, your, your time trying to harm and de destroy people. Yes, there are some people who, who will be exemplary cases and uh, we ask Allah Ta'ala to save us from them. And there are exemplary cases of nifaq and exemplary cases of, of, of treachery. And we ask Allah to save us from them and we ask Allah Ta'ala to find a way for them to be dealt with so that we don't have to uh, uh, stain and poison our tongues uh, with uh, speaking ill about them and we don't have to stain and poison our hands by uh, you know, fighting them uh, or by opposing them. Uh, 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 whether uh, the word fight here is... Uh, uh, real or metaphorical and for us in America it's definitely metaphorical don't do, ever do anything that's uh, <laughs> banned by state, local or federal regulations uh, uh, um, I plead with you but the point is is what? the point is is that, that this is a, an honor to treat other Muslims with forbearance and to leave their hisab to Allah Ta'ala and if you think you're too good to do that people better than you did it the companions radiallahu anhum the, the Ansar and the Muhajirun used to sit and hear the bakwas, the complete bakwas and nonsense khutbas of Hajjaj bin Yusuf. And they would be patient. 
they saw the rule of Islam leave their hands. They're the ones who fought in Badr. They're the ones who fought in Uhud. They saw the rule of Islam leave their hands. It doesn't matter if you don't like your local masjid president or if you don't like your, uh, you know, whatever little small-time Muslim warlord, ruler of like a little statelet somewhere or another. Um, the populace are Muslims and all of these ahwal will pass. If you don't like their government, don't take a job with them and don't, don't uh, uh, you know, spend your extra and uh, uh, your voluntary time in their support. Do something else. Uh, but don't uh, let the hatred of another person of la ilaha illallah consume your heart to the point where... Uh, you uh, see this hatred as something that overrides uh, all your other senses and uh, and overrides all bounds. Uh, truly, it's a sickness. We ask Allah Ta'ala to protect it from us. And this nafs, is, uh, this nafs is a kuti. It's a dog. If you let her take control of you, uh, she will ruin your entire deen in, a, in an orgy, in an orgasm of, of hate and of negativity. Uh, such a destruction that in just minutes and seconds you will destroy the entire deen and the entire effort you did to make your heart uh, enlightened and munawwar uh, for so long. We ask Allah's protection and we ask Allah Ta'ala's tawfiq and we ask Him sadad to be on the straight path, uh, the path of those who He loved uh, and not those who uh, uh, He was angry with nor those He uh, let, uh, let go astray. Allah Ta'ala give us tawfiq. Wa sallallahu ta'ala wa rasulihi Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Wa salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu.